0: what color your skin is, I don't give a crap what your ethnicity is, I don't give a crap if you're gay, you're straight, whatever, how much money you have, how much money you come from, don't have. You can be extremely successful in this business. People will always wanna be entertained by something, no matter what, it's never going to go out of business.
1: Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Good DP. On this episode, we have a Los Angeles-based DP by the name of Sean Boyd. Sean has filmed various music videos, shorts, and commercial work for notable brands in LA. Today, he joins us to talk about his early journey into the industry, as well as provide production tips and good practices for young aspiring DPs out there. Let's get to it. So please... For me, tell me, how did you get into this industry?
0: (laughs) So uh, I I feel very much like I'm still entering the gates of this industry. Uh, I kind of feel like the guy on the outside. But uh, to answer your question, um, for a long time, uh, I, I tell people all the time, I worked in the car industry. I got into it when I was 19 years old. Great job, uh, wonderful networking people, but it just wasn't for me. And along the way in life, I always loved movies. Uh, I loved films. I mean, when we were five years old at my house, you know, my dad wasn't showing us the Disney movies. We were watching Die Hard with Bruce (laughs) Willis and, and The Eraser and stuff like that. So pretty much from a young age, I mean, we were always watching films, older films, newer films and stuff like that. And all my life, I loved it. And, uh, later on when I was working at one of the dealerships, I got asked if I could just do like a little bit of video content with my iPhone at the time. And it was something that I actually really, really enjoyed doing. And I said, you know what, maybe, maybe I ought to write a screenplay one day, you know, um, and the car business is such a wild industry with a lot of things that you would just think should not happen in 2019. I hate to say it uh, and be in any sort of way negative, but uh, there's just some things that it's just like, you, you just can't make this up. Yeah. So I had had the idea. Um, I was a driver at the time and I was sitting in the car with a friend and I had the idea to write my first screenplay and it was called Forever Rich. And it was about a gentleman who had all the money in the world and everything. And I based this off a client. Who was at the dealership? Because I worked at a Porsche dealership, so very wealthy clients. But he had all the money in the world, all the success, and still, just no matter what, that wasn't going to fulfill him. And he wanted something a little bit more. Uh, So I had pitched the idea of it. I wrote it in this sloppy format because I had never written a screenplay (laughs) in my life. Uh, And I told the the other guy that I was working with. We were on a long drive one day about this idea, and he was like, "Man, you're you're crazy. That's that's cool, Sean, and all, but you're gonna write movies now." I was like, dude, we got to do this work. You know, we're at the dealership, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. So, <laughs> you know, I started with screenplays, and then eventually, I kind of didn't know what aspect that I wanted to go into. Um, and back home, you know, you were. Um, how do I put it? By like uh, people in the industry, you're always bred that like, as long as the bills are paid, you take care of the family, you got health insurance, you're good in life. Don't <laughs> worry about anything else. And, uh, you know, doing the car business for a while, was like, man, I got, I got to figure something out that I, that I love to do. I can't come here every day and do this. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. I've had worse jobs, but I, I didn't want to do it. So I started going to school part time uh, and I actually started doing marketing. Uh, at the time, I was heavily obsessed with Entourage. So I was like, you know maybe I'll be like Ari gold. Cause I already then started wearing a suit to work. And when you were young and you're 20 and you get to wear a suit to work at that age, you thought it was cool. And, uh, later on I was like, man, this is a pain in the ass. But then I was like, I- I'll just be, you know, a talent agent in Hollywood. Yeah, I'll do that. And so I went to school for marketing and I had to do that. And I, Went part time while working at the dealership, <laughs> and I had a business management class, and we had to make like a um, we had to make like a fake advertisement for a new product of our idea. Um, so we had like a whole promotional like marketing campaign pitch, and everybody was doing slideshows. So when I was younger, I always used to play around with iMovie. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I asked the professor, I said, "Hey, what would you think if I just made like a mock-up commercial? Uh, I might be able to actually dig up that commercial. I just took some <laughs> clips together and uh, and made up this fake portrait a car called the espada and he was like yeah that would be sick if you just made a commercial instead of a powerpoint i think that would be a lot more entertaining so i made it he loved it and he was like wow dude you should really do this i'm like yeah you think so and he's like dude this is amazing i was like it's not my footage i was like it's <laughs> this is some high quality footage i just cut a whole bunch of random clips off the internet and he's like yeah, "Yeah, yeah you should do this i'm like well, okay. You know, and I started liking it a little bit more. So after Forever Rich, it was kind of just a, you know, small, just little idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I then wanted to write a bigger screenplay, which I'm still writing with a partner. Uh, three years later, his name's John Turco. Um Uh, when I was writing that screenplay, I really wanted to film it, but I had no idea how to use a camera at all, so we were going to hire a local production company. I saved all my money from working at the dealership. I was going to pay them to shoot this little indie film uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, and we were going to get the permits and everything through student Mm -hmm. and the school, and last minute, the the town came and was like, hey guys, no, this ain't going to happen. You know, you have themes of guns and drugs and violence and this. We don't want this in our town. It already has the image, and uh, if you don't know what Patterson, New Jersey is, it is not a pretty place. It's already very rough. They've made movies on it. So they already have that kind of history there. So they're trying to rebrand. So they weren't looking forward to that. Kind of crushed me a little bit. (laughs) And after that, I said, "You know what? Why the hell am I going to pay these guys thousands of dollars that I've saved to shoot it? I want to shoot it myself." You know. So at the time, I was uh, I was borrowing a friend's T3I, which he had bought. We were going to do some YouTube content together, and I would just play around with the settings and and, and record things, you know, wherever uh, until it looked good. I had no <laughs> no idea. I was like, "Ah, I know it needs to be in manual and me flip around the shutter, the right. ISO, and sure, yeah, it'll look good." So I would cut clips together on iMovie and had a little bit of. Fun With it. Then after that, I believe I just got the message like a couple weeks ago. It was March, three years ago. I got like a Canon ADD. It just came out at the time. I was like, oh my God, this is the sickest thing in the world. I was freaking out. (laughs) And so you know, I made little videos here and there, but I ended up getting so frustrated with actual video. Like I I just thought I wasn't good enough that it then took a spin into me taking photos more with that camera for probably about a year. Uh, I was just so shy away from like, you know, getting correct white balance mm-hmm. in the camera, the camera movement. I was like, Oh my God, I don't have a gimbal. I don't have try. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't know how to color grade. Uh, so it ended up just being, uh, mainly photography for about a year and a half. And then everybody was like, Oh yeah, Sean, Sean's doing the photography. And, um, and then uh, eventually, you know, I um, got rid of that Canon. I wanted to jump a little bit more into video. And I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get a new Sony camera. Let's do this. So finally I got that. I got a gimbal, saved up some money. And I started making little things here and there. And, uh, you know, I said, it, it doesn't matter. If you suck, you suck. Just, just keep making stuff. Just keep making stuff. And kept going forward and kept going forward. And eventually um, at that point, years later, I had had a higher position. I was a tech genius at uh, the dealership. So I was making a little bit more money, okay. um, but every single paycheck you can rest assured <laughs> was going to BNH.com and <laughs> oh,
1: lights, your money. You know, lenses
0: and, and everything. Uh, so I started investing a lot more time. And then as the years went by, I was like, man, I, I love this. I, I absolutely love this. Um, and I enjoyed shooting it myself. And so I started to do small like little promotion things for the for the dealership that I worked at, and uh, then eventually did my first music video, um, which was. How'd you come, how you
1: come across that music video? How did they reach Um, out? So
0: I had a, I had a good friend in New Jersey who I had met and uh, he went to school up in uh, Colgate. So there was a girl who was an upcoming uh, artist there and um, she wanted to do a music video. It was just kind of like off the cuff, last minute thing. So I drove up four hours to his school, slept over the night there. I'd work like a 12 hour day at the dealership, drove four hours up there. We shot to like four in the morning, woke up at like, nine shot again all day long. And I was like, I don't care. I I just want to do this, you know? And, uh, at pretty much after that point, I would say, if I wasn't getting paid gigs, I was always shooting or I was always going to free events. Um, you know, like in the area at the local camera shop or I would tune into online things, just wherever I, I could learn because film school is wildly expensive and that just wasn't something that I was in any shape to be able to afford or at a point in my life where um, where I could be doing that and devoting that much time to school because, you know, I got a little bit older, I need a full-time job to pay off things. And so, you know, then it kind of, like I said, it transisted over to, uh, you know, actual small little productions like little music videos, promotional dealership, uh, videos and stuff like that. And then, um, I had lived at the time about twenty minutes out of New York City, and I was in New York City all the time. I, I love it; I still love it till this day. And for like a week and like last summer, I remember I would just take my camera, I'd go to the city, and I'd say, I don't care what I find, I just want to find somebody interesting, and I'll make a, like a little mini doc on it. So I made like a little uh, skateboarding BMX thing one time. Then I went and found this random gym. I was just walking down the street at like eleven o'clock at night on a Friday, and it was a boxing gym, and I like this little boxing thing called The Man from Peru. Um, and just after that, just shoot, shoot, shoot. Doesn't matter. Just shoot all the time. If you're not at the dealership, you should be shooting to get better. You should be at events to get better. You should be always doing something. It doesn't matter if you're getting paid or not. Obviously, you got to pay the bills, but uh, always do everything. So every single paycheck then started going increasingly more to camera gear or it, it, or my time out of the dealership went to just doing this. Um, and eventually, I don't know how to put this like... Um, It wasn't that they let me at all. They were just really nice guys that I worked for at the dealership and I had worked for them since I was 19. And I kind of just like, (laughs) this is going to sound crazy and I don't know how I got away with any of this, but I would kind of just stop coming in or just come in whenever I pleased because I would either be editing a video from somebody, or I would just leave the dealership to go meet somebody to potentially pitch a video or something. And it was just the last year, probably right before this December, all my mind could think about is I need to do this full time. I cannot, I cannot sit any longer here in this place saying the same thing every single day and staring at these cars and being with these people and say, Oh, one day, one day I'll do this. I'll do that. And, uh, great people and everything, but that just, that just lifestyle was not for me. Um, so then it came to be January this past January and my girlfriend and I had always been talking about moving to Los Angeles always, uh, you know, the sunny California weather, the movies, everything. (laughs) And so she started applying to jobs and I was like, okay, cool, cool. That's uh, that's great. We'll see what happens. And so one night came and I, I was on my way home from the dealership and she's like, I got an interview. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, they, they know you're from New Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. They know I'm from New Jersey. I'm like, okay, well, good luck. (laughs) And you know, me thinking like, I wish her all the best, but I'm like, this, this is hard. You know, you're all the way across the country. Um, so then she has the interview and she's like, I think it went really well. We spent like an hour on FaceTime and everything. I'm like, oh wow. Okay. Uh, so then a week goes by and it's like one in the morning. We watched a movie late on a Saturday night her phone buzzes. And I'm like, do you, do you want to check that? And she's like, no, it's late. I'm, I'm going to go to bed. No. I'm like, all right. You want to check it? Are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I'll check it. So she's reading, she's reading. She's like, oh my God, I just got, a, I just got like this job with great pay and everything. Um, yeah, they want me to start in two weeks. I'm like, what are you saying? And she was like, you're going to quit your job this week and we're going to move to Los Angeles next week. And I was like, we're, we're going to what, we're going to what? And I was like, I've never not had a job in my life. And, uh, so yeah, it was crazy. I couldn't even tell my dad. We, we both like paid my dad a little bit of money, He helped us out to stay there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I didn't even tell him for a couple of days cause it's just, you know, it's how to tell him, Hey, I'm moving to Los Angeles in like a week and a half. Uh, I went into my job and obviously they were happy for me, but they were kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to go and and make, money in the most expensive city in the country right, right. with a camera. <laughs> I mean, we wish you all the best, but dude
1: <laughs> You're okay. crazy. You're crazy. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, because when you come from North Jersey, I mean already the idea, like whenever I tell people like, yeah, you know, like I want to do video production, like, oh like like weddings and stuff. And I was like, no, not like weddings. Oh. <laughs> so they were just, you know, not to hate on anybody who yeah, does that, yeah, but yeah. That, that was always the mindset and like, oh that's that's cute. Let Sean play with his camera and everything. And it was just They don't realize that you can actually make a living off of this and you can actually do these great things. Um, So we got a U-Haul for her car and it was just a nightmare of getting it installed and uh, (laughs) literally got it installed the day before we had to leave. We packed up all the stuff into the U-Haul. We had some friends at the dealership who offered to drive my car, Mm -hmm. took a seven day cross country road trip to California. I knew one person on the internet over Instagram that I had never met in my life. His name is Mike Dolgen. And, I don't know what went through his mind or his heart, but the guy has taken me under his wing since day one, and uh, I am so so incredibly grateful for for the amount of things that he's done for me. I mean, I came there, and probably within a week, I still didn't even have a place to where I was living uh, when I came to L.A. And he just said, "Hey, man, you know, you, you never can grow just alone. You know, you, this is a lot to do, and I'm all about growing together. Would you love to meet up sometime?" So he lived in San Diego. I drove down there. We spent the day together. Just got lunch and just talked about, you know, what our vision was for everything. And pretty much since I've gotten here, dude, it's just been like, you know, one hand washes the other. Uh, I'll get work. I'll get clients up here. He'll get clients himself, and it's just. I would not be living here uh, if it wasn't for him. So I hope that, I'm sorry, that's pretty long. <laughs> I, I, I ramble sometimes, but no, that's just no. an explanation of how we got from point A to point B. It's, it's been about three and a half years now. So, okay.
1: Yeah. Three years, three years. So yeah. in that process of actually, where you finally kind of realize, hey, I'm actually about to do what I've been practicing. I'm going to one of the most competitive cities in the world for what I'm about to do. Um, after you met up with it was Mike, right? Yeah. After you met, yeah, up, Mike. After you met up with Mike, what kind of set that emotion for you to be like, hey, now I really can see myself as the DP or going into real live film production versus like you said, I was just shooting, shooting, shooting to keep shooting right. in New York. You-
0: you know what it is? like Living in uh, North Jersey, there wasn't much available. You know, you'd know, drive down the street and you'd see a pizza parlor, an Italian restaurant, but you're not going to see Ari Rental on the corner. You're not going to see Paramount Pictures. And when I drive down the road, when I walk to my gym every single day, I can see the Hollywood sign right behind me. I can see Paramount Pictures. There's Ari Rental, there's Tilta, there's Red Studios. And to me, that's just, it's a constant reminder in your face that Listen, all the opportunities, all the resources that you need are here and available to you. All you have to do is utilize them. A lot of people in L.A. like to say, oh, my God, there's so much competition. For me, when I come from a place where my local rental shop, I'm lucky if they have a C200 in stock. (laughs) I'm I'm taking full advantage. Every single week in Los Angeles, there's a new class for free. For free. Mm-hmm. You know, at all these places like Able Cine, there's Shaping with Light that I went to. You know, there's lens choices, filtration, everything. Uh so it's just there's always a constant reminder that the opportunity is there here and there's so many resources. All you have to do is just use them and and uh, you know, take advantage of everything and work hard, you know. If you're hungry, and you're starving and you're in the middle of the desert or you're in the middle of the forest, I guarantee you're going to figure out a way to eat. You'll figure (laughs) it out no matter what. You know, my dad uh, always was a great teacher and he told me he was, he he went down to visit his grandfather one time in the South when he was young. He said he was like about seven, eight years old and his grandfather was like an old school, just like mean, mean Southern man took him out on the Chesapeake Bay and he said, can you swim boy? And he said, no, I can't swim. And he took me, threw him over his head in the ocean. He said, now you can. So my, I thank my dad so much for, for the, the quick reaction and everything like that to be able to learn to adapt. Uh, it's not exactly hidden knowledge that Los Angeles is so expensive, number one. Uh, unfortunately, there's a large homeless population here. And that weighs heavily in on me. It actually I will admit hundred percent. You can ask my girlfriend. I cried like a little girl. Like one day I was so scared. We didn't have a place to live. And when you walk down the street and you see tents and you see homeless people, mm-hmm. I think in my head every day, if I don't work, if I don't reach out to people, if I don't figure out a way to this, to work, I'm going to then join that guy on the street next mm-hmm. week. And I don't want, and that's a scary thought mm-hmm. 3000 miles away from home where you don't know anybody at all. They, I can't call dad and be like, Hey man, I need a couple bucks. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to figure it out. So with the inspiration all around me and then also that in impending like fear mm-hmm. uh, of not surviving, it's it's been great so far. I, I won't lie to you. It's been tough, but it's been amazing and probably one of the best experiences in life
1: for any young filmmaker who can't afford to come to L.A. or who just started a career. What would be your advice to them actually just coming from ground up to have that same type of mentality it may not be hey, if I don't do this, I'm not going to eat or I'm not going to be homeless. But how can they see their talent grow and have that same type of hunger where they're at now?
0: Right, right. Um, This may sound dark and bleak, and I won't always give the same advice as some other people. But personally, I think that any human being, when put in a situation of uncomfort, whether that's unhappiness, whether that's financial issues, that's anything at all, put yourself in an, in a situation where you're very uncomfortable where you do not like it because i'll i'll guarantee you one thing you will then do anything in your power at least i will um, to never feel that that emotion ever again um living out here, like just this past weekend, it sucked. I missed half a cine gear. I had to do a job that I'm not proud of stuff that you just wouldn't want to post on your reel, uh, things like that. But you know, Hey, I have to do it. And I, Mm -hmm. I pull, you have to pull the positive out of it. And I came home and I said to my girlfriend, Michelle, I said, you know what, this was actually a good thing because I will remind myself that I hated doing this cheesy stuff so much that I will do whatever it is within my power to never do this again. So if you are just getting started and you love video making uh, and it's just something that you're so passionate about, um, it's expensive, obviously, number one, like you're saying, you don't have the resources to it. So get a job. Maybe I don't care if you get a job at a restaurant, being a busser, or a dishwasher, but something that's going to help you to save up to get there, you know it's expensive to get some gear. You don't need to get an Alexa as your first camera or anything, Uh, but get a job, work your ass off. Um, And just every single day that you're like, I hate this job. I hate washing these dishes. I hate doing this. Just remind yourself that you are there for a purpose. You're slowly putting the pieces together to build, you know, one day the structure that you will then call your career. And uh, you know, you'll have to build up gear, but also it's not even just about building your equipment and, and, and doing that. Um, you're, building a mindset right because when you can see your vision and see what that that what you're doing has an like a like a bigger purpose to it um then you'll be able to see down the road okay once i've worked at this restaurant and i've you know saved up enough money to pay my own gear um then also i'm more mentally tough oh okay 17 hour day on set well i did that at the restaurant easy peasy, you know? So you take not only the skills, the mindset, the money, everything that you need, and you just continue to build up. You always have to realize that what you're doing is just small building blocks. You know, you're not going to get there overnight. Um, I can still recall, I feel like it's been five years, dude. It's only been three and a half years, but I could still recall when I would apply online. Um, and I worked for like HBO for free, like a 16 hour day PA thing in New York city. I can recall like so many different times where I would save money for a certain piece of equipment or so many different times when I would just send email or message on Instagram to so-and-so, hey, can I do this? So it's just all about remembering what you want and getting used to that uncomfort you know, because when you're uncomfortable, you'll then work harder to get out of there and you just keep the eye on the prize and what you want and you'll just keep going forward. That, I mean, that's the best thing I could say is get uncomfortable, work your ass off and keep going forward, you know?
1: So it's funny because you brought up a couple of things that I you know, I wanted to speak to you about as far as like, um, okay, let's say we get past, you know, we're fully motivated and we're a DP or we're in the industry, DP directing, whatever the case may be. How do you go about one, preventing yourself from shooting the same way or attacking each project the exact same way to where you now look at your work as you're not progressing? And then two, how do you handle working on those projects that may right now pay the bills? but it doesn't feed your heart or your creativity.
0: Right. So number one, to make sure that you're not always doing the same thing, uh, get interested in things, you know, like uh, when I walk around the city, like there's so, still so many things that I want to shoot and hopefully one day I'll get hired by a client. But also, like I said before, that even like I have to make money to live out here, obviously there's even things that I'll shoot in my personal time that I'm actually still in the process of editing. Like I'm not a skateboarder, but I find skateboarding so fascinating. Like, I don't know if you saw on my Instagram the other week, like I posted something, some frames yeah. that said Venice. Yeah, just just Always shoot different things because people will see that and they'll say, Oh, okay, wow, yeah, I saw Shawnee shot that skateboarding thing. May not have been paid, but as long as your work is quality and good, maybe somebody will see it. And then also, maybe down the road, if you then go to apply to, you know, a posting on like a Facebook forum about shooting a skateboarding thing, let's say, or somebody you know is looking for, Hey, I shot this, and then that's a new thing. Um, so always diversify what you're shooting, uh, no matter what. And, you know, especially when you take Interested in it. Like I said, I'm not a skateboarder myself, but I find it fascinating how somebody can ride this tiny little wooden deck and fly through this freaking <laughs> hole and scoot in the air and somehow land and not fall on their ass. In uh, so super slow mo. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do the things that are very interesting to you and, uh, you know, always change it up. And then also the second part to that answer is have friends who are very honest with you. Uh, some people don't, you know, when you're when you're in an artistic field, unfortunately, some people get very standoffish. And if a friend gives you uh, constructive, like, advice, you know, you shouldn't be so standoffish. So I have a mic who I was telling you about. There was one time where when I came here, it was just job after job after job job and great, great shoots and great connections. I was like, wow, this is great. And kind of I was burnt out, but I kind of laid back a little bit and I throttled off from reaching out, like going literally door to door at one point uh, and doing everything. And one time we had a phone conversation late at night and he said, Sean, listen, that hunger that that you showed me the first day that you came here, that drive that passion you you throttle that back, buddy. You, I'm not, I'm not gonna bullshit you. You need to step it up, man. You throttled it back. You got to step it up, and you need friends who can be honest with you like that, or colleagues or whatever. Because sometimes it's we get wrapped up in our own things, so it's hard to realize what we're doing. So if you have somebody that's like, hey, Sean, listen. Hey, Carlos, you know, you kind of been doing the same thing over and over. It's, it's time to change it, buddy. You know. And hopefully you can take that advice um, without uh, getting offended or anything and realize, okay, yeah, maybe this person has a valid point. I'll take it into consideration. Uh, so that would be my answer for the first question. I'm sorry I rambled so much. I forgot <laughs> No, oh,
1: no, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, I was saying when you get into the aspect of, you know, you're working essentially for pay to feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to take gear or you have to take projects that you're not necessarily too passionate about. Just like you say, you have those ones that we all have those ones that we don't want to put on the reel or, you know, we don't want people to know that we're associated by. So um, how do you still handle those projects to this day?
0: so the idea for me at least is to always go into it with the goal of okay this is just a temporary little plug temporary plug do not make a habit out of it so whenever i go i go on craigslist i'll go on facebook groups i'll just like go on instagram and just reach out to artists i always go to events and and reach out to people um like networking filmmaking events my main goal in my head is do not forget the exact genre of stuff i love personally doing music videos eventually i'm going to transition into narrative and then automatically because that's where I came from hmm. so that is my true objective of the kind of work that I want to get and the kind of work that I want in my real um, and if I've exhausted every possible like outreach um, to people if just stuff isn't coming in like that, Take this, pay the bills real quick and on to the next one. Don't make a habit of it. Uh, I try, this may sound bad, but I try not to return to those people. I just try and one yep. and done. Yep. Uh, so I've had some people, Hey, we'd love for you to join us again. You did an amazing job. And I'm like, Hey, uh, I apologize. I'm sincerely thankful, you know, and it was nice that they helped you pay the bills in the time, but mm-hmm. Hey, I apologize. I'm sincerely thankful for the, for the opportunity that you gave me, but I'm just trying to go a different route. Mm-hmm. Some people may think that's a little bit bold. Um, Um, but, uh, if you have a dream and you have a passion, there's a lot more to, for me than just simply paying the bills. If you got to do it and you got to do it, do it. Mm -hmm. You know, if the rent checks coming in, do it, but keep in your mind, don't make a habit of this. Keep reaching out for what you want. You may have a bunch of people reject you. It may take some time and maybe you'll have to continuously keep doing things, but don't lose sight of it. I've seen a lot of, uh, people and know some people who are now just gridlocked in that state where all of the work that they do is just really boring things. Like I have friends back home in like New York space that are doing boring corporate things all the time, really boring like uh, kids parties and stuff like that that they hate doing. Some people love it, but these people uh, hate doing it, but they just continue to say, yes, 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 yes. And now they've typecasted themselves Mm -hmm. as that. So when, you know, let's say, I'm just going to make up a random name because I don't want to say his name. (laughs) uh let's just say his name is dan um then says you know i want to shoot in like a sick music video somebody's like okay let me me see your music video work well i have like this kid's party i shot they're gonna be like sorry dude so try and always keep your eye on the prize and Mm -hmm. just do it if you got to because you know i understand having to pay the bills but just always keep in your mind Don't make a habit of it you know That's what I would say. That's what I try and practice. And
1: that kind of leads me to wonder, like, your approach for when you're doing client work, because I know a lot of DPs out here, or let me skip, a lot of young, inspiring DPs out here. I know one of the hardest thing is one getting locked up in that kind of situation where, okay, they're doing work that uninspires them. The next thing is bad contracts. What has been your approach with your partner as far as your contracts and how you get paid for your clientele work? Um,
0: so for me, I had no formal education, like I said, and the bit, the best thing in life, no matter if it's with this, with business or life things is that if you fail or you mess up at something, it's kind of like you being young and being five and, and your mom says, don't touch that fire. And then you touch the candle and it burns. And you're like, I am never going to do that again. <laughs> so over time, you know, I've, we've all been there, mm-hmm. especially being in film field. I'm sure you've had clients or production companies that maybe you freelance for and you're like, Hey dude, I need to get paid and you'll chase them down forever. And I've had those, uh, issues before. So it's kind of been trial and error on the, uh, on the process of doing that, um, advice from other people, you know, so like if I do a shoot for a client, uh, with my own small production co, you know, it's always a 75% deposit up front, which helps cover the cost of gear rentals of crew and everything, um, And then the remaining 25% after the final project is delivered, then you make terms on revisions, how Mm -hmm. many, stuff like that, the ownership, how long that they have the rights for this and stuff like that in order to protect you, uh, a contract binding to that agreement. Um, Like we won't even show up on set unless there's payment, you Mm -hmm. know, because I've had issues and I've worked with some pretty reputable brands, um, there was in my first week here I should have known better and it was always practice that I would do that. But my first week here, I won't say which dealership, but it was an Audi dealership and we had done some work for them, Mike and I, and, we, we said, Hey, listen, we need a 75% deposit up front, you know, because I have to pay Mike. I have to do this, that. Yeah, yeah sure. No problem. We'll send it to you. Okay, cool. And then they came like, Hey guys, I don't have, Oh, sorry. We had a problem with our accounting department. I'm Like, okay. You know, there's such and such Audi dealership. They make a ton of money. Well, why wouldn't they pay me? Exactly. All right. I got to do it. I got to pay the bills, whatever. Mm-hmm. Long and behold. And it's like six weeks of like, Hey, why am I not getting paid? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. And then ignoring, ignoring. And it's mm-hmm. just, You don't want to deal with that. So you have to put things into motion and sometimes they have to be a little bit strict and mean, but you have to protect yourself because at the end of the day, if you go into a stop and shop and you're like, hey, I want to buy this candy bar. Like, okay, pay for it right now. You're not going to be like... Let me go outside. Exactly. I'll come back <laughs> and then I'll get you back, right? That's cool, right? I'll give you the, the six same weeks. thing with us. Yeah. You know, especially if you just shot on set for 12 oh hours or something, you know? That's why I especially take payment up front. And uh, I don't know how it is in Atlanta, but I've freelanced very little. I'm mm-hmm. very proud to say that a lot of my shoots have been, you know, my productions and everything. Uh, but freelancing sometimes out here, some people have that whole net 30 payout. And I hate that, man. Yeah. How I don't know how you just tell some young kid, hey, dude, I know you got your apartment payment coming up uh, and I know you just work 16 hours for us, but we'll get you in a month. Exactly. That's crazy, man. So when anybody does stuff for me, the 75 percent deposit up front at yep. the end of the day, I literally send them payment at the end of the day. And I swear on it, everybody can attest to has worked <laughs> with me. That's how I do things. Yeah. I really feel for the crew, and I, I I appreciate their hard work. And I wouldn't want anybody to go that long, you know. I think a week at the most, maybe if you're going to do that. But a month, oh my god!
1: And it's and it's funny because like I just I did a project for Rolling Stone, and oh wow, it's been three months and we still haven't been paid. So, no, I'm so serious. And it's funny because it said the exact same thing you said. It was an accounting error, all this type of stuff. And I was like, okay, you yeah, let's make millions of dollars wow. as a company. And you're going to yeah. tell me, you know, it's going to be an account problem. Project's done. Project turned around in two days, eight hour day. And it's just like, gosh.
0: Oh. <laughs> so, And then try telling your team, hey, listen, guys, sorry. You know, I haven't, you know.
1: Exactly. So, definitely going through wow. stuff like that is a pain and it's a hassle. So wow, three months. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry I'm... you had to go through that. <laughs> so it's still, still going pain, through it. Still right? going through it. Still going through it. And like I said, I've been working. I've been doing this for about six years. So that was a rookie yeah. mistake on my end. But yeah, just for like all the viewers, because I know there's people out there. I think everybody who's been behind the camera has been cheated out of some money at some point. Oh yeah, it's going to happen. Oh yeah.
0: You know, it's messed up and it sucks that it has to happen. And it sucks too, because I'll never do work with that dealership again, because I had to get a little bit, I wasn't cursing and yelling, but I left a very firm voicemail and I got the check, but they wouldn't return back that voicemail call, <laughs> you know. And it sucks because that could have been some continuous work. But had they just have been like, "Hey, man, we'll pay you," you know, same thing when you go in and buy a car. Hey, is it cool if I sign for it now and I'll get you the check? I'm driving it, but don't worry about it. I right. got you guys. Same thing, you know. They used the video and everything, and you know, oh, we're using the video; it's going great. People love it, but uh, don't worry, man. We'll get you back. Yeah, you know? same thing. So it's crazy. That's messed up. The other thing that even I did after that was to go. I mean, I was talking to my girlfriend because we we're going over like all of uh, all of our uh, documents and everything and I would recommend to people. It may mm-hmm. seem a little harsh, but you have to protect yourself. This is your living. This is your well-being uh, in that contract agreement, not only the 75 percent up front. But also uh, things like late fees, if you are set like a specific date on there on the contract that you must receive final payment by. um, And then after five days, 20% interest of the entire invoice. So it's 20% of the entire invoice, like interest will be tacked Mm -hmm. on if you are late on payment. (laughs) And when you sign on that, it's, dude, even two weeks go by, that's 40%. That's a lot of freaking money. So when somebody signs off on that, it's going to pressure them a lot more to pay. You know, I hate aggressive, uh, but you got to look out for yourself. And one of the biggest things that I've had to learn is I always like to be the nice guy and be very catering to the client. Mm -hmm. And Mike has helped me to realize is like, sometimes it's like, you you just put too much care in the client, Mm -hmm. but you have to worry about what's good for Sean, you know, like don't Mm -hmm. break your neck and do, you know, like over the top and then at the end of the day you did all this work and you're not left with a lot you know so make sure that you're protecting your time and your and your hard work and your passion all the time it's it sucks that you have to be that way Mm -hmm. but just like your example i mean rolling stone come on exactly
1: exactly well sean let me ask you this man you know um so i started i got into filmmaking back in 2009 i went the completely uh, videographer route learning behind the camera photography Yeah, me too and then um, everything kind of started turning into music videos, and then to narrative work. My question for you, in a sense of since uh, you see music videos as being your primarily uh, field, you know, category and choice of shot right now, how do, or how is it in LA as far as now that music videos can be undercut with you know ideas? Your next DSLR, your shooters that shoot for two hundred dollars. Um, I know it's really bad in Atlanta. I'm not sure how that market is in, in L.A. right now.
0: Um, I would say I did that stuff more back in New Jersey. Um, I'd say you know we're we're not working on crazy like fifty, sixty thousand dollar budgets on some of the shoots, but the budgets have gone up. Um, also, even like the low budget stuff. I mean. <laughs> I probably say every single music video that we shot has been like a decent production on like a red camera and everything. I mean, you'll definitely find people and I get it, man. You know, being an artist isn't easy and stuff like that. Uh, but you'll definitely get like people out there that are looking for that sort of thing. Uh, but even like low, low end stuff, like I know some guys out here in the space who are doing their thing, like one man band videographer doing good, some good work. Um, but even then I don't think that they're working for rates like two, 300 bucks. Um, I think that there's just like a, like a, at least in my experience in the five months here, there's like a, a staple. And this is just like, this is the threshold. We live in LA, film is all around us. Even if you're not in film, you know that it, it costs money because this is a skilled craft. They're using expensive equipment. Um, so I haven't seen too, too much of it. Even the, the lower budget stuff is you know, it's, it's, it's good pay. And a lot of the artists that I've worked with have been very, very easy. I'd say the best two, and I hope nobody gets mad at me for saying this are, uh, Anthony Pinto, his name is gold AP. He was such a nice guy. He took me out for a steak dinner afterwards. He left me like Google reviews. He's a sweetheart of a kid and, uh, I'll definitely be working with him again soon. Uh, our last production that we just wrapped was for an artist named Drew Mac as well. What a nice guy as well. So so appreciative. And um, you know, obviously pay is great and you know, when you're doing good, but it's another thing when somebody like literally takes the time inside to say, sincerely I thank you and your team for the amazing job that you did and you know, have a very friendly relationship with people. So it's it's been good out here. You know, music videos are big and it's just it's not too hard to find. That's another reason why I do it.
1: Nice. So um What's your process, Sean when you get it when you take on the client and then you're ready to shoot this music video? Um, I know a lot of things I like to teach the course and that's more in the narrative, but it's in all kind of production is your pre-planning process, everything that you do as far as conceptualize it. Take me through you and Mike's process for that with your client. How many days or how many production days are you actually shooting? How many pre production excuse me, pre production days you actually have or tell me take me through your process of how you approach your clients
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean number one the last shoot that we did uh worked with uh with a producer and talent agent out here uh his name is attila a really nice guy and he had this artist drew max we so called me and said hey man you know drew wants to shoot a new music video i'd love for you to you know introduce yourself over the phone real quick uh because i had worked with him in the past on a music video and i said awesome cool so number one um in order to get the job is you i mean he had shown my work to the guy and he was very happy with it but but number one is you want to make the artist feel very, very comfortable. So we spent like just about a half an hour coming up with a vague, rough idea of that uh, of that music video and everything, making the the client very um, comfortable and everything. And that's kind of like the soft pitch and everything. You know, you ask them what kinds of things that they like and things like that. Uh, so it's just a soft, you know, 30 minute over the phone thing. Uh, after that, then we kind of, you know, once you know that they're, more serious and, Hey, I really want to do this. I would love to work with you. Uh, we had a more formal, like one hour meeting just at a coffee shop, me, the producer and the artist. Um, and then we kind of got even more just of an idea of, uh, when we could potentially do this, what kind of other things they'd Go through so making notes and and everything like that. Um, after that, you know, it was pretty much okay. We need to take a deposit for pre-production and our time to plan this. After that, we'll talk about the actual production. So um, it had I would say altogether like two weeks of pre-production on the last music video that we did. And if it wasn't for Mike, I I don't know what I would do. There were so many variables between getting the location at the proper budget that we mm-hmm. needed to be within, getting uh, a stylist for the the artist that Mm -hmm. he wanted getting, um, you know the, the proper crew as well for it. Getting another meeting with Drew to make sure that each different layout that we had was a different kind of setup on the story that he liked and was going along with, so that was another meeting. Then it was, okay, Mike, I'm on the phone. Where can we get the rentals and all the equipment for this yeah, that yeah. we need? What do we project? We have to budget all that out. Going back and forth with the uh, the producer on, on budget and what sort of things that we need, uh, what sort of things that maybe we can push for that would help us do our jobs better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. after After, you know, you got past all the logistical stuff, it was more the creative stuff. Okay, let me sit down and write out a shot list. Let me sit down and write out what lenses I would like to shoot this on. Let's Mm -hmm. write out, um, you know, also call sheet when we're going to set up this lighting setup and everything with crew. Okay, let me sit down with my gaffer. Uh, His name is Valentine. Mm -hmm. Great, great kid. The French man, that's what we call him. He's a (laughs) French kid. Um, He's your go-to gaffer? Yeah. Yeah. He's my go-to guy. Great kid. He came out here from France, mm-hmm. uh, took out a, like a $40,000 loan, opened up his own lighting company and everything. Oh, wow. So we rent his lights. We mm-hmm. use him very talented, just such a chill guy, easy to work with. Um, but yeah, so sitting down with him and saying, Hey man, you know, listen, uh, what kind of grip rigs do you think that we'll need for this? Okay, Sean, I think you're going to need, you know, uh, at least some combo stands, menace arms, speed rails. How many guys in your grip crew do you think that you're going to need to help you out with this um you know because it's it's obviously it's the dp's job to know what kind of lighting setup he wants but certain things like grip and everything i would ask him you know hey how many guys do you need to help you i don't want you (laughs) trying to rig like an entire sky panel to this only yourself you Mm know um so going past that point and then just all from the creative and then the last thing that we pretty much did was, uh, set up like a whole call sheet for the day. So mm-hmm. everything runs smooth. Um, I think in the beginning it was always just when you're getting started out in the one man band, there's just, especially with the budget, you're just, uh, yeah, we'll just wing it. Yeah, it's cool. But no, no, when you plan things out, things will go a lot more according to plan. And, um, it's interesting. I'll just make this for the note for this podcast. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but the Drew Max shoot was so prepared to the T, like probably the most of any shoot. There was so much hard work that went into it. And if things could go wrong, like everything went wrong <laughs> that was out of our control. Yeah. We had gotten to the shoot. Uh, we booked the studio for 9 a.m. Uh, to 9 p.m. at night. And we got a coffee in the area before the shoot. And Mike's like, yeah, do you, do you want to go by just to like kind of scout out the place first like an hour early? I'm like, yeah, why not? So we get there and there's the big giant production crew. And I'm like, they're probably just shooting overnight, unloading. And then we come inside. I'm like, hey, guys, like you guys going to be out soon? They're like, no man we're setting up like right now we're like no (laughs) and i'm like mike's like dude maybe there's another studio i'm like i don't think so bro we go in the back to the location manager like hey man is there another locate no this this is it why what's wrong i'm like we're booked here like we booked it like three weeks ago and Uh he's like no he's like no that's not possible so basically his assistant had booked the place and didn't pay attention to the schedule and booked two production calls same exact day oh so that was a nightmare and luckily technically we had it first so i felt so bad they had to kick out the other production crew and they yeah and we were sitting there kind of (laughs) like as the other guy's like salty and packing up all their stuff walking past us Uh, then after that we have like uh, some choreography scenes with the bed Mm -hmm. the bed like collapsed in whereas there's some funny bloopers that are like in my (laughs) hard drive of them just falling into the bed the whole thing collapses then we had a mannequin that was meant to get destroyed they put it in like dry ice so that it would shatter when he Mm -hmm. hits it with the bat as soon as they dip like the head in there it just shattered (laughs) 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 and I was like come on man really so um yeah man i mean you could always plan as much as you want and i yeah. definitely recommend to literally plan everything that you could possibly think of what is the crew going to eat yeah. what time are we going to do this lighting setup yeah. who do we need for this Who do we need for that so plan as much as you can but always understand that things will not always go 100 percent to plan especially okay. in film uh, and you just have to know how to react and stay positive and do what you can to fix the issue
1: <laughs> i guess one of my big biggest questions for you and i know it's a a network community but how did you find you or for you and mike how did you guys find your way finding um a go-to crew or do you use the same crew or do you always put out a, a new cast call or a new crew call for each production how do you other than your gaffer how do you accrue your crew
0: Sure, sure. Um, so we know what we need for certain shoots, and especially sizing productions. Like some things will just be myself, Mike, and like one other people. You know, if it's just some interviews or something like that, uh, that's number one. But also, I'm just all big about loyalty. Don't fix it if it's not broken. So Valentine, I had worked with him on a South by Southwest shoot, and he was just a cool dude. And number one for me, if I'm gonna work with somebody, not only do you have to be talented what you do. But I gotta want to hang out with you afterwards, <laughs> you know. If you're that cool, and I want to go and get food with you and yeah. hang out like Valentine and uh, and I, his girlfriend and my girlfriend hang out. Mike and his wife and I and Michelle, my girlfriend, all hang out. Uh, so that's number one, you know, because when you work with somebody who's really cool and you can all get along, you're mm-hmm. gonna have a lot better of a day on set. And I've worked with other people who are incredible at what they do, but I don't like them at all, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. I also want somebody who's on the team who's just a part of you know what the vision is for the company mm-hmm. uh, for our goals for the shoot the passion of the project and everything so there's a kid uh, Joe he actually followed me on YouTube he reached out to me when he found out that I was moving to LA and he's like hey man you know can I can I help you out on one of your shoots so I had had a shoot it was a little bit tighter budget and I was only DPing it I got hired by a production company and I said hey man I'm so sorry like I, I don't have any budget to pay you and he's like no 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 I'll come out and help you and I was mm-hmm. like wow this kid's really hungry but I, I could never do that like everybody eats uh, you know on my set everybody you know should always get paid for the work that they do um, so Joe is kind of like a newer like kid one man band videographer but he's just a sweetheart of a kid he always like sees the greater picture so even on this Drew Max shoot uh, we hired him to do BTS paid and everything mm-hmm. and the whole way along the way hey man do you need me to help pick up like uh, Reynolds do you need me to help pick up props like the day before he'll stay late he'll text us all the time hey man thank you so much I mm-hmm. appreciate so the kid not only has the drive to do greater things but he also sees the vision of what we're doing Mm -hmm. uh, and he's just a nice kid and and you know that's somebody who I always want to have around so with crew like I said you got to be talented but you also got to be a great person hard worker and a nice person so that was that was great with Joe and he doesn't necessarily know the most but I'm willing to have him work with us even if it's just doing BTS so that he can learn more on bigger productions and Mm -hmm. sets like that Um, because number one he's helping us out so much and he has a good attitude Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I'm willing to give somebody a chance if they have a good attitude and at least have some skill that can help out the production you yeah, I Completely. Agree. Uh, yeah. And other people other than that, I think the AC that we use, Valentine recommended. So I said, okay, let's let's go with them. We had uh two red cameras, uh Red Epic Dragon and uh Raven on that. And we had a crane Movi, full wireless on both of them, um, full follow focuses and everything. I swear to you, the kid came in and rigged like both cameras in like fifteen minutes. Just wow. and then just sat back down. I was like, okay, I'm ready. Whenever you guys are ready, I was like, holy
1: crap, wow. man.
0: Yes, So he was really good. And then Mm -hmm. even at the end of the day, you know, we were supposed to wrap a little bit earlier, but we went over and he's like, Hey man, I got to get going a little bit. I have an early call out in Malibu, which is a far drive. Mm -hmm. And I said, dude, go, go if you need to. And then he ended up saying, you know what? No, no, I'll stay. I'll stay just a little bit longer. And then even at the end when we were done, I was like, all right, dude, thank you so much. You killed it. Just go home. And he was like, "No, dude, I'll help you guys pack up and load out a little bit. So he loaded everything up for us at least for like another hour. I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, man great so just get great people who you'd want to hang with who are talented at what they do and 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 have that vision for what you're doing that's what i that's what we do you know so mostly it's it's the same people and those guys will definitely get called back (laughs)
1: that's awesome bro well definitely man i want to know at the end of the day as a dp and a young dp yourself what is the end game for you what is the Uh, end all be all
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the end game for me right now I'm doing music videos and everything, but on the side, I'm still writing my screenplay. That's the reason that I got into this, uh, is to shift more towards narrative work. And I think for a while I want to remain as a DP. I love controlling the look of the light, what Mm -hmm. lenses I want and everything. Uh, and also for a captain to steer the ship, he should have worked all those other positions Mm -hmm. and and really know what the crew has to Mm -hmm. go through. So I think I want to DP for a while. And once I really Feel like okay, I've mastered this, or okay, I've done this enough. I really want to direct feature films. Uh, you know, like people like Scorsese, Tarantino, Nolan, all of that stuff, and and write films uh, eventually, and no longer DP, and just know what I look for in a DP. <laughs> yeah. And and what I would want so that's the the end all goal so it's you know it's pay the bills with music videos Mm -hmm. I'm also having fun with doing it Mm -hmm. Um, but getting into the narrative space can be a little bit tough so I'll write my own stuff for now and I'll do my own passion projects in the future um, which I'm trying to organize right now and eventually slowly shift into that narrative space I want want to star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame man I want to uh, make big films out in different countries and and produce a story uh, that really resonates with people Mm -hmm. i love the stories of the the little people with big dreams and big obstacles so that's that's my goal one day
1: is there anything before we close off with the podcast anything that's touching your heart that you definitely want to speak out on this platform because i love everything you said bro Oh, oh i
0: appreciate it man um just a few things i would love to say number one thank you so much for having me for me i'm i don't think of myself as a special guy at all so I just think of myself as a a dude who, who could and has a lot of heart and I want to do this. And like I said, I'm still entering the gates Mm -hmm. of this industry. Uh, So for this, it, how do I put it? It's just such a good feeling in my heart that somebody uh, reached out to me as kind as you and said, Hey, I want to interview you. So I really appreciate that. It's a heartwarming feeling. Uh, and number two is anybody watching this, who's up and coming, who maybe has been doing this for a little bit of a while. Maybe you're not having success. Maybe you're trying to be successful. I just want everybody to know that I don't (laughs) give a shit what color your skin is. I don't give a crap what your ethnicity is. I don't give a crap if you're gay, you're straight, whatever, much money you have, how much money you come from, don't have, you can be extremely successful in this business. People will always want to be entertained by something, no matter what. It's never going to go out of business. The thing is, is how hungry you are, how bad you want to eat. Uh, and that is what will propel you forward. If you just sit around and you complain about what you don't have rather than what you do have at the same time, you will never, ever, ever get anywhere near your dreams. So always be thankful for the little bit you have. I don't even care if you have a T2i, you have a camera, there's people out there who cannot afford a camera. So be thankful for what you have, work your ass off, man, never forget what you want and you will, will succeed one day.